Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the Afternoon Show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that you're having an encouraging day. I hope the Lord is uh, talking to you through this show. I hope some of you listened to the last half hour. I think you have uh, the needle moved a little bit for some of you. Uh, and I want to address that with Jeff Redorn. He's my guest this hour. We will get to some of the comments that came in. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, just I want to put my digital arms around several listeners that are just feeling maybe a little vulnerable right now and let you know that God completely loves you and has got you in his arms and you cannot escape him. He's got you. Uh, he knows your name. <laughs> so, all right. Jeff Redorn's in studio. We're going to talk about uh, judgment and the resurrection. Is that fair, Jeff? Did I say that right? Sure. Resurrections and judgment. I there's, love it. There's I two of it. each. Yeah. And you know Jeff. He is uh, a regular uh, on the show. He's a good friend and a mentor of mine and Bible teacher, and he teaches all kinds of uh, courses in uh, at church and, and, and elsewhere. I do. I, I don't know how to introduce you. I know. You're just I'm my just, friend. Just a friend. A friend guy. Happy yeah. New Year. Yeah, thank you. Happy New Year to you. We have so much to cover. Let's jump in. Let's start in John 5. John 5 says this. So, like I said, we're going to discuss today that there are two resurrections and there are two judgments. Okay. And the Bible actually declares this very clearly. It says in John 5, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Do not be amazed, verse 28, do not be amazed for the time is coming when all in their graves will hear his voice. Those who have done what is good will rise to live and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Well, there's your two resurrections right there. Those who do, do good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Acts 24 says the same thing. It says there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. And actually, even in the Old Testament, in Daniel, the end of Daniel in chapter 12, it says, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the ground will wake, some to everlasting life, and others to shame and everlasting contempt. So what did we learn from these first few verses as we get going here? There's a resurrection unto life, unto for the righteous, unto everlasting life. And there is a resurrection unto condemnation. It's a resurrection for the wicked, and it uh, results in everlasting contempt. And actually, if you look at the New Testament, you see that many of the Jews understood. Some understood that there was a resurrection, and some didn't believe that there was a future resurrection. So if you remember the story of Lazarus, for example, uh, Jesus says that he will rise again, and Martha says in John 11, I know he will rise again at the resurrection. Mm -hmm. So she understood, right, yeah. that there was this future resurrection. Others, like the Sadducees, Paul actually in, in Acts 24 actually starts this argument in kind of this funny scene between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees believed there was a future resurrection, and the Sadducees didn't believe that there was a future resurrection. So he, Paul says, I stand here because of my hope of the resurrection and this debate 
starts up between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and Paul kind of gets off uh, uh, then. Uh, so, but he writes later then in 1 Corinthians 15, and God resolves this debate of whether or not there's a resurrection or not. And so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, If it is preached that Christ has not been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Verse 16, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, you are your faith is futile, you are still dead in your trespasses and your sins. The bottom line is, is that without the resurrection of Christ, there is no Christianity. Mm-hmm. There, th- that is the central teaching of Christianity, that Christ rose from the dead. And do you see what Paul's saying? He's saying, and if there is no resurrection, then Christ hasn't even been raised, and then you're still dead in your sins. I, I, you might have misread something, Jeff. I just want to double-check 1 Corinthians 15. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Yeah, did I say the negative there? Yes, you yeah, did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously Christ has been raised yes, from the of dead, course. right? Yeah, yeah. And that is a central tenet. Sorry about that. That's okay. Central tenet of Christianity is that Christ has indeed uh, raised from the dead. And because he's been raised from the dead, so too we will rise from the dead. In fact, Christ rose from the dead in his glorified body, right? Mm-hmm. One of the promises of Scripture all, all over the New Testament, you find it all over, is that we as believers will one day be resurrected and receive a glorified body. Uh, this is the show of good news. Oh, this is. This, is this really has been good news. good news all day. Yeah. I love this show. So it's kind of like one of these things. So we were, we were just talking about in your last hour about things that happen in the moment of salvation. Well, this is something that God has promised in our future. For those who are saved, he promises that we will be glorified. So in Romans 8, he says we will be conformed to the image of his son. In Philippians 3, it says he will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Uh, Colossians 3 says that we will appear with him, with Jesus, in glory. Uh, and, and, and 1 Corinthians 15 goes on to say later in verse 49 that just as we have borne the image of the man from the earth, the earthly man in our, in our flesh, so shall we bear the image of the man from heaven, uh, who is Christ in his glory. So do you see, God has promised this glorification to all Christians, all mm-hmm. believers, so many times, and it's, it's, these, this is an unconditional promise. He says it in so many different ways throughout the New Testament. He says, if you are born again, you will be resurrected. You will receive your glorified body. And this is one of my lines of thinking to, uh, to help us understand this doctrine of our assurance of salvation. Because God has promised it, it's going to happen. Amen. Amen. So that's the first resurrection. That's our resurrection. A resurrection that's unto glory. First uh, Corinthians fifteen says that we are raised imperishable. Uh, we are raised in immortality. These are the ways that he describes that God describes the believer's resurrection. But there's a second resurrection. Now it's not actually called in Scripture the second resurrection, but it's the resurrection of the wicked, as we read earlier. The dead also are raised. They are also raised as part of this second resurrection. So Revelation 20 verse 5 says, The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This 
is the first resurrection. The first resurrection is ours unto glory. So this second resurrection is the resurrection of the dead. All right. So who are the dead? Well, the dead are those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. They are those who are spiritually dead. They are those who uh, never received life. You know, Scripture says that he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. So we have this picture. These two resurrections are the first resurrection is a resurrection unto life for believers, and the second resurrection is a resurrection unto death, as we will see, because now that we're both resurrected, the good and the bad, we are going to be judged. So now we turn to the two judgments. So Hebrews says that just as man, just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So every man on the face of the earth will die, either as a believer or as an unbeliever, and then face a judgment. But there's two different judgments. For the believer, there's the judgment seat of Christ, otherwise known as the Bema seat or the Bema judgment. The second judgment is what's called the great white throne judgment, and that's the judgment for the lost. So I want to do the lost one first, and then we'll, we'll, so we'll start with the bad and we'll end with the good, all right? So okay. let's start with the great white throne. So the judgment of the lost, this is judgment day. Right? You've heard of Judgment Day. Yes, I mean, this I is what people talk about. Mm-hmm. So Matthew 10, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So God has talked about this day of judgment or Judgment Day um, in many places. But I want to read precisely what happens at this great white throne judgment on this Judgment Day. Okay, So this is from Revelation 20, and it's a, a few verses here. John is speaking. He's got this vision in Revelation 20. Then I saw a great white throne and the one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Books were open and another book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their deeds as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and Hades gave up their dead, and each one was judged according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found in the Lamb's book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So that's the great white throne. Now let's break this down. What did we see? We see one sitting on the throne. Well, there's God. We know that from early in Revelation. In chapter 4, John sees God sitting on his throne. So that's God. We also know that Christ is going to be on that throne. Scripture says that all authority is given to the Son to judge. And then we are going to the believers, the church, is also going to be up on that throne. Paul says, don't you know that you will judge the world, even angels? All right? So on one side, we have God, the Father, we have Christ, and we have all believers throughout all of time. In front of the throne are the dead. This is the dead from throughout all time, from the very beginning until the very end. Anybody who's ever been lost is standing before this throne, and they are going to, the, their deeds will be opened up, and then the book of life is opened up, and none of them will, have, will find their names in the book of life. 
And so what happens to them? They are thrown into the lake of fire. Now, whenever I teach on the great white throne, I like to point this little fact out as maybe a little motivator for us, if you will. When we're standing there and the world is judged and found short, we're going to know some of these people out there. If you know people that don't know the Lord, don't know Christ, haven't been saved, they, this day is coming, and they are going to be standing out there. And personally, I don't want anybody that I know well to be down there looking up at me like saying, why didn't you tell me about this place, right? I don't want those eyes looking up at me. Now, I'm not responsible for their salvation, but I think we are responsible for telling them about this salvation, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the story of, of the rich man and Lazarus and they mm-hmm. go down into Hades? Yeah. And Lazarus is, or the rich man is complaining and talking, you know, having Father Abraham send Lazarus over here. And anyway, he doesn't do anything that he asks. And he says, well, at least send Lazarus to my brothers and tell them about this place. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what I think whenever we study about the great white throne judgment, it should be a motivation for us to share with those who we know are not saved about this coming mm-hmm. judgment day. Let me take a short break. Jeff Redorn's my guest. We're talking about res- resurrections and judgments. We'll be right back. his own theme song and that's it the voice of truth I love great that song. song that's a great song we're talking today about judgments and resurrections and jeff f- fascinating so far uh, we're going to continue to talk about judgments right now yeah so there's two so this is the judgment of the lost the great white throne mm-hmm. and uh and in a second we'll get to our judgment the believer's judgment but i i, I want to make sure that you know, everybody is judged based on their deeds. We'll see that our judgment is going to be based on deeds. This great white throne is based on deeds. But which judgment you go to, hmm, that is based on faith, right? It's always been based on faith. So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, you're not saved by your works. You're saved by, a, by your faith. Romans 3 says, we maintain that a man is justified by faith. Galatians 2 says that it's by faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. Um, so we know that you're saved by faith. So if you're a believer in Christ, saved by faith, you go to the judgment seat of Christ and you're judged according to your deeds. If you're unsaved, you go to the great white throne judgment and you're judged according to your deeds. Um, so, you, but you, obviously you need that life. This is, this great white throne judgment is for the dead and, uh, and you've got life, right? He who mm-hmm. has the son has life. You are now spiritually alive. So let me throw in a quote, a listener, my wingman Terry just sent me, he goes, here's a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer to believers. How do we know dying is so dreadful? Who knows whether in our human fear and anguish, we are only shivering and shuddering at the most glorious, heavenly, blessed event in the world. Uh, yeah, there's, there's the old saying, everybody wants to go to heaven, but you know, nobody wants to go there today. Right. <laughs> um, Paul yeah. wanted to go there today. Yeah, right? No, he he did. said, I, I desire to depart and be with the Lord 
by far. Yes. Um, so it is going to be glorious. And there's going to be people who don't believe in heaven who are going to wake up just like the rich man in Hades, and they're going to get a rude awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's so let's turn to the believer's judgment. Okay. So there's three main passages uh, about the believer's judgment, this judgment seat of Christ. So uh, let's let's look at all three of those passages. So Romans 14 says this, verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down upon your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Well, it's the English, it says judgment seat. In the Greek, that's where we get the word bima, B-E-M-A, the bima seat. And we will all stand before this bima seat. So what is the bima? Well, if you were, the next two passages we look at are going to be in Corinthians. Paul, being in Corinthians, knew that all the Corinthians would have been familiar with the Bema seat in Corinth. Um, my daughter's actually been there and seen it. I've always wanted to go to Corinth and seen this, but uh, my daughter FaceTimed me from from Corinth and walked me around, so I, I kind of got to see it. But it's it's still there. Uh, it's an archaeolog- ar- archaeological site. And here's what it was for. It was a raised platform made of stone where officials would give speeches, and it was kind of a public square kind of thing. And people, some people would be rewarded, and they would be rewarded typically with a wreath, a crown wreath upon their head. So we actually get the concept in, uh, in the Olympics of putting our winners, our athletes, on a raised platform. Mm-hmm. And in the first Olympics, they actually received these wreath crowns. Now remember crowns for a minute because we're going to talk about our crowns at, at the at the Bema seat that we receive. And uh, so they didn't actually receive medals. They received crowns. So our judgment is not really a judgment. It's more of a rewards ceremony on the Bema seat that Paul was describing that everyone in Corinth would have been familiar with. There's not going to be a video review of your life of all the stupid things you did? (laughs) There is not. You know, that is actually a common teaching uh, about this uh, the judgment seat of Christ. But let's read the other two passages okay. and see if that appears, if that is the okay. way it's actually described, all right? So here we go. So the second place that this is described is 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear, all believers, must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Again, the Greek word there is the bima, that each one may receive what is due him for things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So what do we learn from this passage? Well, we are going to appear before the judgment seat. We're going to receive what's due us for things done, both good and bad. However, there's one more passage that I want to read, and that's from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 11. This gives us a little more detail of what this is going to look like. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because that day, the judgment seat of Christ's day, our judgment day, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved but only as one escaping through the flames. So what do we learn from this passage? We're rewarded for the good, and the bad is burned up in the fire. 
So if it survives, we're rewarded, but the bad is all burned up. Now think about this concept that you raised. This is often taught that we appear before the judgment seat, there's this giant heavenly movie screen, mm-hmm. and your life is your turn comes, and yeah. you stand up there before everybody. With festival seating. <laughs> and here comes your life, Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Are you looking forward to that oh, day? No, no. No, I don't think any of us would be looking forward to that day. Fortunately, I don't think that is the picture that God gives here. Remember, it's the, the same God as the one that Psalm says has separated our sins as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more, Isaiah 43. Acts 3.19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Hmm. And Romans 8 says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If God does not remember our sins no more, he no longer counts them against us. Is he going to be broadcasting them before all of heaven? Or are they going to be burned up? Burned up. Thank God goodness, right? In fact, that is exactly what the Bible talks about in terms of Christ's atoning work on the cross is all about. Remember on the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. The debt has been paid. The price has been paid for mankind's sin. Remember John the Baptist, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, Romans says, the death he died, he died for sin once for all. Um, He does not count man's sin against them. That's what Christ did on the cross, it's been paid for. Um, you're, the movie of your life, as one of my students told me a couple of weeks ago when I was teaching this, the movie of your life is going to be edited by God, mm. and he's going to take all <laughs> those pieces out that mm. are bad. All, all burned right? up. All burned up. Now, you want your movie to be longer, right? That'd be nice. Yeah, you want it, you want it to be filled with the good that's going to survive, and, and you receive that reward. Um, there's actually, I think this teaching uh, is common. Uh, in fact, there was a, a one-man play that came out back in the 2000s. It was a base, actually based on a book by uh, Tim Stevenson called The Bema, and it was performed live by Pete Briscoe, I believe his name was, and he went around multiple churches and did this show. In fact, I remember seeing it at Grace Church back in the early 2000s, and it was really a neat, um, a neat show. Um, it was all about the rapture of the church and and this judgment and and uh, what we potentially are going to experience on this day. Uh, in fact, you can find it on the internet. He actually did it at uh, Bentry Bible in Dallas, and they filmed it and did a whole production of it, and it's fabulous. But he does do this one thing where when it's his turn, there's a movie of his whole life, and I just don't think that's what how Scripture describes this day. Yeah, it doesn't seem that way. I like everything getting burned up. That's uh, good. Jeff Redorn's my guest. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we're going to continue this very interesting discussion on resurrections and judgments. Let me know if you've got a question or something you'd like some more clarification on. You can always send me a text at any time throughout the show if you have a question, concern, or something you'd like us to clarify. 877-933-2484 if you're more conventional like the old email you can do that as well bill at myfaithradio.com be right back it's the afternoon show with bill Arno. 
welcome back. Jeff Redorn's my guest. We're talking about resurrections and judgments. And Jeff, let's go back to this idea of the big movie screen. I think that does uh, probably have scared a lot of people, giving people a sense of, are you telling me I'm going to get to heaven and there's going to be uh, a screen with showing me all the stupid things I did and people are watching and who wants that? Nobody. Well, would there be depictions of sin and evil in God's in God's presence in heaven? Well, I can't imagine there can't would either. be if sin can't, you know, come enter before him. All right, enter into Why heaven. Why are they showing so, videos? Yeah, and he remembers it no more. Right. Um, I, I think it's. Mm-hmm. I think the picture is is that it's burned up. I had a lady in my end times class here a couple few years back, and she came. I was teaching on this this lesson on resurrections and judgments and on the judgment seat of Christ. She came up afterwards and she says, "I've been a Christian for forty years, and I have dreaded this day." For four decades until tonight. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she realized, no, her life, she didn't want her life being shown before all of heaven. She, you know, everybody has a life before they're believers. In fact, we, we have a life even after we're believers, for goodness sakes. And uh, she said for the first time in her life, she was excited for this day. Well, I think we should live being excited this day. I think that's exactly how God wants us to view this day. This is going to be a great day. We should all be excited for it. And um, we're going to be rewarded. So God says this. He says in Romans 8, not only so, but we groan inwardly as we eagerly await for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And in 1 Corinthians, it says we eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. I think that's the rapture of the church when we will be glorified, we'll be caught up together with him, and then we will receive our reward. So we'll get to the timing of the judgment seat of Christ here in just a second. Um, but I want one more other thing about this. We see the, our reaction in the book of Revelation of these 24 elders who have their crowns, these crowns now they've been rewarded, and what do they do with those crowns? You probably remember the scene, right? Mm-hmm. We have these 24 elders up in heaven, and it says that whenever this worship is going on, they lay their crowns down at the feet of the Lord. So it says this in Revelation 4, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and lives forever, the 24 elders, who I think represent the church in some way, uh, fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, and they lay their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So what did they do with their crowns? They lay them at Mm -hmm. Christ's feet. Why? Why would they do that? Here's my thought on this. What righteous works can you do that God is going to reward you for? Or are all of our works, all of our righteous acts, like filthy rags to God, as the Scripture says? Mm-hmm. In other words, can we really, can we no. really, <laughs> really do anything <laughs> no. that, that Christ is going to reward us for? So I think the picture, if we go to John chapter 15, we have this picture of the vine and the branches. We've talked about this a number of times on your show, that we as a branch can't produce fruit on our own, but we can only produce fruit when we are connected to the true vine. 
and then we bear fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. But if you remain in the true vine, and I, you and me, and I and you, Jesus says, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You're just a branch. Mm-hmm. I think in glory, when we are before Christ at this judgment seat and we are being rewarded with whatever crowns, we'll talk about those in a minute, whatever that reward looks like, this crown, I think we're going to fully understand that Christ is rewarding us for his righteousness that that he did in and through us Mm -hmm. as we abided in him. And the thing to do is return the crown right to him. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's you. We'll fully realize, I think, that it's Jesus. It's your righteousness that you're rewarding me for. This belongs to you. And we're going to lay them back at his feet. Mm. Love it. Jeff, another uh, listener, Justin, said, God is not a God who shames, and something like that would only bring shame upon us. He does convict, but I don't believe he shames. That whole idea of, you know, the the big movie screen in heaven. Absolutely. I mean, that's why I love the verse. One of my first discipleship meetings that I ever had with a a gentleman who met with me and opened up his Bible, and he he opened it up to Romans 8, 8, 1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I absolutely agree with your your listener's comment. Um, Now, I will point out, I will point out, uh, my friend Greg Steer of Dare to Share uh, likes to point out that it, the passage says, whenever these angels start to sing, we lay our crowns at his feet, which presupposes that we go over and pick them up again. Okay. Okay. And he teaches, and I, I like this idea, that these crowns that we are going to receive as a reward are going to be treasured possessions for us for all of eternity. And I like that idea because it, if, if Christ gave you something, is that going to be a treasured possession for mm-hmm. you for all of eternity? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So he says that it says that whenever they give glory, we then lay our crowns down at the feet as if we're doing it over and over and over again. And uh, so that's his picture. So let's, should we talk about the crowns? Yes, please. All right. So another teaching is that depending on the amount of good that we that survives this judgment mm-hmm. that some Christians will receive you know much reward and have many crowns and other Christians will escape the flames and maybe in some teach not even get any crown whatsoever others say that some uh, your rewards will will determine the size of the jewels in your crown and you know it's it's interesting bill i really don't i'm not concerned at all about this is not in the Bible, by the way, the size and scope of the jewels that may or may not be in our crowns or not. It just says we receive crowns. Um, so one, I don't think it's in the Bible. I don't think it describes it. But two, am I really worried about getting a reward or am I really interested in spending eternity with the rewarder? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my reward is the rewarder. Yes. How, how this all plays out, we'll, we'll see when we get mm-hmm. there, right? Yep. So there's actually five crowns described in Scripture. And I actually believe that this is the same crown. It's just described in different ways using different language. Have you ever seen someone wearing five crowns, by the way? No. No. I see somebody wearing one crown. So I think Paul and James and and, and Peter, I think it's Peter. Yeah, first Peter. I take that back. I have five crowns in my mouth. <laughs> I do but have not five in crowns. your head. Not in my head, but All in right. my mouth. All right. Uh, that doesn't count. Okay. And 
So here's the five crowns, and let's see who these crowns are for, okay? So the first one is in 2 Timothy 4, and it's the crown of righteousness. And Paul says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, with the, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award on me on that day, and not only me, but for, also to all who have longed for his appearing. Well, who is righteous in God's eyes? Believers. Mm-hmm. All believers, I think, will receive this crown of of righteousness. Where did we get that righteousness? Oh, from him. Mm-hmm. All right. The incorruptible crown, 1 Corinthians 9, says this, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Whose crown at the judgment seat of Christ do you think will last forever? Mm-hmm. Everyone's. Mm-hmm. If you receive a crown from Christ... It's going to last forever. Your crown is incorruptible. Mm -hmm. The crown of life. James says, he who received the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Well, who loves the Lord, number one, and who has life? We just talked about this. He who has the Son has life. If you're a believer, you have life, and you obviously love the Lord your God. So I think that's just one more way to describe this crown that we are going to, to receive. Uh, Peter describes it this way as the crown of glory. He says, and when the chief chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Well, who is going to be glorified? All believers are going to be glorified. We will appear with the chief shepherd, that's Christ, at the rapture of the church, and we will appear with him, we will be in glory, and we'll receive a crown that, once again, never fades away. I think it's just one more way of describing this this crown that we will receive. And the last one is the crown of rejoicing uh, in 1 Thessalonians 2, where Paul says, what is our hope, what is our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Well, I believe every Christian will receive a crown. Every Christian will be in the presence of our Lord Jesus. Every Christian will appear before the judgment seat of Christ and receive this crown. So I think the Bible, I think God just describes this this crown using different terminology in different places of the Bible. I think it's one crown. Mm -hmm. All right. And like I said, crown, big, small, lots of jewels, some jewels, I, I don't know. Uh, my reward is Christ. Mm-hmm. He is my portion, right? And, Jesus and is our reward. He is our reward. Mm-hmm. So, um, There's so, a great passage in Lamentations, too, that says that very thing. I think it's chapter 3. Yep. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. Oh. Yeah, he's our reward. He's our portion. Um, so I don't get all too worked up about how big my reward He'll figure it out. He'll reward those. And the bad will be burned up. The good survives. We'll receive our reward. I think every Christian receives a crown, and they will treasure that crown for all of eternity, even as they lay it at the feet of Christ. Mm-hmm. All right, let's um, talk about the the judgment, the Bema judgment. So let's Am I saying talk- that right, Bema? Bema? Yeah, um, I, I think it's it. Bema. I Bema? think in the Greek it's a long E, so I think it's Bema. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the timing. So when does this? When do these two judgments happen? Um, we know that everybody is judged. Uh, the lost appear for the appear before the great white throne, and believers before the judgment seat of Christ. So when's the great white throne? Well, in 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 my end times understanding, uh, Christ returns at the second coming. 
He then uh, uh, establishes his kingdom on earth for a thousand years on earth. And at the end of that thousand years, that's when I believe the great white throne judgment is. That's when heaven and earth flee from God's presence. He's about to make a new heaven and new earth. And that's when he sends all of the lost uh, into the lake of fire. That's the day, by the way, you know, the passage, narrow is the gate and small is the road that leads to everlasting life, but broad is the gate and wide is the road that leads to destruction. Mm-hmm. That's that day, judgment day, right? They go through the broad road to destruction and the lake of fire. I think that day is at the end of the thousand-year reign uh, when all of mankind is judged. By the way, that's the that day, that great white throne judgment that we talked about in the first half hour, when all believers are there, and all the unbelievers are there. I even think all the angels, the heavenly kingdom will be there as well. That's the only day that I see in all of Scripture when everybody in all creation will be there. Mm. Wow. Okay? So that's the, that's the great white throne. Now, yeah, when, is, when is the judgment seat? Um, so it said, uh, when he comes. So the last passage we just read in First Thessalonians said that we will glory in his presence with the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes. Well, when does he come? I think this is a reference to the rapture of the church. And I teach that the rapture is pre-tribulational or pre-trib. It's before the tribulation that is to come. Jesus says at the end of Revelation that I'm coming soon and my reward is with me. Right? And my reward is with me. So I think the picture is, is that when he returns for his bride, for the church, at the rapture, prior to the tribulation, we are caught up to, we're glorified, caught up to heaven, and that's when we go through the judgment seat of Christ and, and receive our reward. So I think that's kind of the, the timing uh, of those two judgments. But, but in the end, Bill, there's, there's, there's only two options, right? Um, you know, there are some who want to say, that every single person on earth will have the same God experience when you die, that um, or all will get saved. Uh, there was a commentator that wrote a book called Love Wins, and he said everybody go, in the end goes to heaven. It's like, no, you, don't, you do not have to get into the Bible too far to understand there's two roads, there's two gates, there's two doors, there's two ways. There's the wise and the foolish, the sheep and the goats, the, wheats and the wheat and the tares. There's a resurrection of the righteous and there's a res- resurrection of the wicked. There's two roads and we have a choice. That's why Joshua said, choose this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Moses said, I set before you two paths, life and death. Choose life. Um, you definitely want to appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive your reward, as opposed to the great white throne judgment, where your deeds will be found short, your name will not be in the Lamb's book of life, and you will be thrown into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is the second death. Mm-hmm. Jeff Fedorin's my guest. After a short break, we'll be back with uh, more. Jeff, you know, you talk about the judgment day 
What do you mean day? That's a lot to do in one day. <laughs> Is it more of an event and a process? How long will this take? Wow. A judgment day. You know, it's, it's... I can't get the guy to come out and fix my furnace in a day. Um, it's called Judgment Day. Um, yeah, you know, it's in the spiritual realm. So where, where is the great white throne? Yeah. Well, we know that heaven and earth have just fled from God's presence. So, you know, where does this event take place? It's it's a it's a spiritual event yeah, in I some know. way, shape, or form. So, I know. I trust you know. God's got it all figured out. You know, you know, God says that uh, in... In eternity, we will dwell with God, right? And uh, he will dwell and they will be his people mm-hmm. and he will be their God and he will dwell with them. Um, God's outside of time. So will right. we experience eternity in time? Uh, you know, think about that for a while if you want something really yeah. big to dwell on. Well, let's uh, talk about maybe some listeners who have been listening to the show from the beginning, starting at four o'clock and realizing that, you know, I don't know if I'm as close as I want to be to God in my life right now. And maybe I'm feeling a little uh, rattled. Yeah, you know, so the First Corinthians passage that we talked about at the judgment seat. First, if you believe in Christ, you will be at the judgment seat of Christ. And you will receive your reward, right? Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I don't know what I have in my life that's going to survive that day. And uh, you might have a lot. Your, your movie might be well edited, and uh, it might be, you know, pretty short. Uh, but I'm convinced that every Christian, if you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, will receive your reward on that day. And in the end, like we talk about, Christ is the reward. Remember, in Scripture, how do we do good, right? It says he will reward. Well, if you've done good, you will receive your reward. So how do you do good? Well, Jesus answered this question, really, I think, in John chapter 6, where he says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent, right? Let's and, break that word believe down one more time. Oh, I, I love this t- word. I never get tired of doing that. If you know one Greek word, know this word believe in Greek. It's pistuyo, and it means the definition of pistuyo in the Greek is this, to believe it is true and to entrust for salvation. And that is the criteria for being saved, to believe to believe it's true, and to entrust for salvation. So remember the, the thief on the cross? Mm-hmm. He said, the first thief goes, Are you, if you're really the son of God, get us down from here, right? Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't believe unto salvation. But the second thief basically tells the first, this is Jeff's paraphrase here, shut up, we deserve our punishment. Mm-hmm. Oh, that godly sorrow. He knew that he was guilty, right? And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, remember what Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. I think we can assume that the man was saved. Mm -hmm. He believed who this guy was, this Jesus guy, and believed or entrusted that he had the power to bring him into his kingdom that he talked about, even though they were both about to die. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again in power and glory? And do you entrust in him that he has the power to glorify you, to reward you on this day, and bring you into his eternal kingdom? And if you say yes to that, then you are saved. And I don't know what your crown's going to look like. I don't know have any idea how many jewels are going to be on it or whatever, but I know you're going to be there on that day. Hmm. Fantastic. Just a great, uh, powerful reminder of God's incredible love for us and the sacrifice he made on the cross to die for our sins, that we might be able to know him throughout all of eternity and be with him in his kingdom. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, God offers this to everyone. Um, he, Jesus says in Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. He who um, believes in, if you open the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. And I think this is a picture of salvation. God is saying, I am knocking on every person's heart. Every person in the entire world, I'm knocking. And if you will simply open that door, if you will simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And you'll be at that judgment seat of Christ instead of the great white throne. Remember to the woman at the well, he, he, he gave a, a different picture of salvation. He said, you know, woman, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for living water and it would well up to eternal life. A different metaphorical picture mm-hmm. of salvation. And the answer is this. If you seek him, you will find him if you seek with all, all your heart. And if you're a Christian and you don't have a lot of good works and you think most of your life is going to be burned up, and you, you, you survive as if one escaping the flames, if you remember when we read first from First Corinthians, uh, just remember the Lord is your portion. Uh, he is your great reward. So. so there will be a resurrection for condemnation, which is a horrifying thought that those who died having rejected Jesus, having uh, never come to saving faith, will go from uh, death to a resurrection only to be sent into the lake of fire. Uh, it's a very sobering, painful, it heavy, will be. heavy thought. You know, the, the, we described our glorified bodies, which are imperishable, incorruptible, glory. We will be with him in glory. Um, it, we don't have the same description of the lost when they're brought before the great white throne. So their resurrected body does not have those same uh, adjectives. They're not described as being, uh, you know, resurrected unto imperishableness. And uh, because they're thrown in the lake of fire, the lake of fire is the second death. So, yeah, um, you know, that's where we started, right? Way back when in, in John 5, when Jesus says that some will be resurrected unto, uh, uh, the righteous will be resurrected, the wicked will be righteous, some to everlasting life, and others to everlasting shame and contempt. Mm-hmm. And I love the 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 Greek word for believe again, that you would uh, put your faith in, that you would rely upon God, you would cling to him, and you would give him your allegiance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact... The, it's a the, complete surrender. It is. That pistuyo word is the verb, the noun. You said faith this time mm-hmm. instead of believe. Faith, That's what I meant. I meant believe. Well, it's the same Greek word, basically. It's the form of the same Greek word. The faith is the noun version of it. It's pistis. Uh, so pistis and pistuyo. If you know... A couple of Greek words. Mm-hmm. Know those Greek words. Study them and understand them because it's by faith you have been saved. You know, when, when, the, when the jailer came to Paul, uh, this is as simple as my theology gets about salvation. The jailer came to Paul and he said, you know, what must I do to be saved? Mm-hmm. And Paul answered, believe, pistuyo, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. If you believe it's true, and you entrust in him for your salvation, you will have eternal life. That eternal life starts today and lasts for all of eternity. Mm-hmm. Jeff, we just have about a minute and a half. Uh, let's go real quickly back over John 15 that says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. There's many that are thinking, uh-oh, if I'm not bearing fruit, <laughs> I've been cut off and I'm going to be thrown away as a believer. Yeah, this is Set one of my straight. favorites. We, we've loved, we've talked about this a number of times, and that Greek word there for cuts off is ario, A-I-R-O. And it literally means in the Greek to lift up. 
And so I think that actual passage says that if you are bearing little fruit for God right now, if you're connected to the vine, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus and you just don't see a lot of fruit in your life, God says he lifts up every branch in me that bears fruit and he prunes you to, so, and, and so that you will grow and that you'll start bearing fruit. So if you are a branch that's connected to the vine and you don't see a lot of fruit in your life, do this. Abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in him with all of your heart. Um, believe in him. Uh, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and strength and mind. As you abide in him, he will bear the fruit in you. Mm. Jeff, thank you so much. Uh, when I get home tonight, I'm going to re-listen to this hour because there's much I want to hear again, and I want to get out my notebook and my Bible one more time. So thank you so much for... You bet, Bill. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. That wraps up our show for the day. If you missed any of this, you can always head over to MyFaithRadio.com. Go to the Afternoons with Bill show page. You'll find it there. It's pretty easy to navigate your way through that. You can send this podcast out to someone who you might think would enjoy hearing this or listen to it again yourself. And like always, as you lay your head on the pillow tonight, know that God's working out his great plan in your life and he loves you. He is just uh, crazy about you. I am too. Have a good night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.